Welcome to the Nation's Weekly Podcast. My name is Joel Parker, and to my left, Claire Henning. Claire, we are doing it. This doing is it. it. Uh, Joseph is out, and so um, we're not the JV team. We're actually the varsity team. So I'd like to think so. Yeah, I think. Yeah. But hey, today we have an incredible guest. Um, this is this is going to be a fun conversation. Um, Mr. Jeff Rosine is with us. He works uh, with an organization called Kids Around the World. And I firsthand have seen uh, the work of this organization be extremely transformative in areas of war zones, specifically uh, Iraq, where uh, we made the documentary Iraq of Forgotten Hope. So uh, without further ado, welcome, Jeff, to Thank you guys. the podcast. Thank you. Honored to be here. Excited. Well, I want to start with kind of the origin story of yeah. how you guys um, discovered that building playgrounds in persecuted areas, war zones, places of conflict uh, would be uh, something of importance to the kingdom. Where did that begin? Yeah, it's probably not where you think, but uh, 1994, you guys probably remember this was right after the Soviet Union had broken up. Mm. Um, where we're headquartered in Rockford, Illinois, they had a sister city over in the Ukraine. Bravery was the name of the city just outside of Kiev. And a bunch of the business leaders came together and in, in Rockford and they said, hey, we want to give this city a gift. You know, all this foreign aid had been going back and forth, all this stuff, and finally decided, but we want to do something different. We want to do something for the children over there. They're always the last to people think of, right? Not, I'm not, I don't want to say completely forgotten, but you probably were thinking buildings, you're thinking structures, you're thinking all this stuff. They said, no, we want to do something specifically for the kids. And at the next meeting, someone's like, well, why don't we build a playground for the kids? And everyone's like, yes, that sounds like a great idea. And so they came together, uh, raised the funds for a new playground from the States, uh, shipped it over in a cargo container with every possible tool and skid loader, everything went over there, you know, built the playground uh, a couple months later. And of course, huge success. I mean, these kids had never seen anything like this before, which is the case in most areas that we work in. And um, the mayor of the city was extremely excited, you know, and he's like, this is, you know, thank you so much. Thank you so much. And um, our founder was on that trip, Denny Johnson. And he came back to the States after that trip. And he's like, huh, you know, it might be onto something here. The way this playground brought the community together, the way it gave the children hope in a time where they had been through so much over the last couple of years. And so he, he called up the, the mayor of the city. And he said, hey, we would love to come over and build another playground in your, in your city. And the mayor's like, oh, yes, of course, I would love that. He said, uh, but there's a catch this time. We want to be able to go into your schools. Uh, and remember, this is 1995 now and do evangelism, right? So evangelism looked very different in 1995 than it did now. Um, so, you know, handing out Bibles, doing puppets. If you guys remember puppets oh, yeah. from back in the day. Oh, yeah. Uh, and the mayor said, you can do whatever you want as long as you build another playground. Because he saw what it did to their city. And so... Um, on a personal level, this was 1995, uh, I was fortunate enough to go on that trip. So you're on the f very first trip. I was on the second one. Second trip. Hmm. Second trip. Uh, at 14 years old, uh, my father was asked, he was a former children's pastor, and he was asked to come and lead the ministry side of that trip. And so I got to go and do puppets. And believe it or not, I actually was in a San Diego chicken costume which was no way. I had no like, idea where that came from, being from the Midwest, but yeah, someone had yeah. it, you know, cruising around with all famous that. Famous mascot, probably the most famous I, mascot. I agree. Time. I completely agree. And so, you know, we went over, did that, and it was really at that time that our organization was founded. And since then, I've continued to just really believe in the power of play um, because of multiple reasons, which I'm sure we'll, we'll kind of get to, but that's, you know, how everything started. So 14 years old, that's pretty... That's important. That's that's a life changing it thing was. to see and and to be on this inception trip, basically. Yeah. You know. Um, so how did you? So you said your your father was involved. Yes. And so he was was he the director? He he left the church in 1999 and was okay. our first full time staff member. Okay. So this yep. has been like a family yeah. project. Yeah. How cool is that? Yeah. No, it's been. I love. It I was love great uh, growing up in. You know, I got to visit. Africa, India, a couple places in the Caribbean as I was going through high school and into college and never dreamed or imagined I would do this for a career, but the Lord had different plans for that. So, 
Okay, so you um, so the organization begins to see this need for playgrounds and how transformative they are. Um, so where did you go after Ukraine? After Ukraine, we did um, a couple different countries in Africa. We did um, the next one that I personally went on, which I think was our fifth. You're taking me way back here. Uh, I think it was our fifth was an orphanage in an extremely impoverished city just outside of Chennai, India. It was 800 kids in an orphanage. Oh we built gosh. the largest playground I had ever seen at that time. Imagine, you know, here you see 15, 20 kids on a playground. Imagine 800 trying to fit on one. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, you know, after that, we did uh, some in Bosnia. Um, in the early days, we did uh, a couple in Russia. I mean, you name it. Mm. So, yeah. Epic. Yeah. You know, I was in Iraq. We, we discovered the internally displaced people camp, IDP camps. And so basically, you know, like refugee camps are for people who have left their country. IDP camps are they're in their country. And so but basically the same thing. Yep. Very dismal, very, I mean, just very oppressive places. Um, and I remember coming into this one camp and it seemed to go forever. And this was the height of ISIS. This was uh, a really bad time for uh, Kurdistan and northern Iraq. And um, and we turned the corner. And it's just like doom and gloom. Like you're looking in the faces. I, I always say this, like uh, people go like, what's an IDP camp? Like I'm like, everybody loves to go camping, right? Yeah. Like, camping's fun <laughs> for about four nights. Anything above four nights in a tent camping and it's it's miserable. And yeah. I'm so like, these people have been camping for, you know, two, three, four years, yeah. not to mention the trauma on top of that. But we came around this corner and there's this playground and it's like this little beam of light that came right down from heaven and everyone was smiling. Moms were being moms, dads were being dads, kids were being kids. And it yep. was like this beautiful, I don't want to say distraction, but it was just like an opportunity to be human again. Yep. And it was, it was absolutely so encouraging to, uh, to see firsthand. And I think that's when we first met too, it was right yeah. around that time. Um, and so I just want to say thank you for seeing something that you know, most um, government organizations, ministries didn't see. And and thank you for having the courage and the obedience to step into something. How hard is it to raise money, you know, like for, for playgrounds? It's hard to raise money for anything. Sure. As, as you know, coming from nonprofit background. But uh, we raise money in, you know, a variety of ways. And there's projects that are more engaged in areas where we have boots on the ground. Um, that That's one way. Um, people see value in providing play. Um, and so we work in conjunction with partners to help fundraise. You know, the unique thing about the playgrounds, not to get too in detail here, but we actually remove playgrounds from the states, refurbish them, and then rebuild them internationally. Oh, that's really So cool. that was a huge transformation that we went through in the recession, 2008, you know, because we were raising, I'm not sure if you guys know, playgrounds cost a lot of money. Yeah. You're looking at $100,000 100, right now. Really? For a decent-sized playground and everything, yes. Um, mm -hmm. You know, even 15 years ago, 50000 60000 And once someone gave us that idea during the recession, because it was almost impossible to raise $50,000 for a, I mean, I'm going to call it a non-essential item right when it comes to global um sure. there's a lot of value but obviously food water shelter mm -hmm. um you know and when we transition from new playgrounds to recycled playgrounds we instantly tripled our output that we were doing globally yeah. mm -hmm. and so you know trying to raise 10 15 thousand dollars is a lot easier than trying to raise 50 to 60 thousand um and so that's kind of where we're at. So, I love that. Yeah. It's fascinating. It's kind of like better for the environment too. Yes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is. That's something yeah. our community. Yeah. Really yeah, we work with cities yeah. and park districts and mostly in the Midwest because that's where our warehouse is, totally. but they love it. You yeah. know, we'll send them a picture like, hey, your playground was at this school. Now it's in, you know, wow. where, wherever it may be, Jordan. Now it's in Ecuador. Mm -hmm. Now it's here, wherever it may be. And they just love it. So mm -hmm. I just, uh, yeah, my I just can't imagine being in your shoes. Yeah, like like, hey, there's a war, or there's a place of conflict, or there's a mm. place of poverty, and, and we're going to go build a playground. Like conveying the importance of that has got to be incredibly difficult. Um, Claire is has a passion for um, mental health, and and mm. and so I know you have a you have you're dying to ask some questions <laughs> about the theology of play. I mean, it is it is um, a curious topic. I yeah. think it's one that. Just recently, there's been more emerging research on how vital and imperative play is to 
people's lives. And I think that's something that in our culture gets very lost, especially on adults. And so, um, I, it's curious to me, I'm, I love the idea of transplanting playgrounds from America to other parts of the world who are lacking that need. But I'm, I'm more curious, are you able to articulate or put language to the theology of play yeah. and where that came from and why is it a value yeah. and why is it maybe even important to God? Yeah. Why is that a value? Sure. Well, I don't have my doctorate in play. I will, I will preface that, <laughs> but uh, I do have kids and I can tell you yeah. firsthand if they are not playing, they're a hot mess. Yeah, you're in mm-hmm. trouble. Right? Um, I mean, kids, God created kids to be active, to play, to to burn energy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, here in, in the United States, it's very easy for us to take that, you know, at, at, granted, honestly, it really is. Like, we have space here. Mm-hmm. We have playgrounds here. We have beaches here. We have, you know, whatever. And, and internationally, you know, I've been to a lot of different countries where, like, where do the kids run? Right. Like a lot of places in the Middle East. I mean, you, you've been there. It's just, it's city streets and it's, you know, it's, it's buildings. And we've built a playground on a sixth floor of a church before because there was no land at all, mm-hmm. at all. Not even the size of this, of this office for kids just to play. Right. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a God, it's a God given, right? I mean, if you're reading through the Bible, like children are always playing, they're always with Jesus. They're always laughing. They're always having fun. And our, from our perspective, we, we don't want that to be overlooked. We feel that it's, it's, it's a right that mm-hmm. they should have it, you know, not only from a development standpoint, yeah. um, you know, just interacting with, with other children and not being cooped up at home, mm-hmm. um, you know, playing, learning teamwork, you know, learning, um, stretching themselves They're like, Oh, maybe I can do this monkey bar this time. You know, that's been fun for me. Every time I've taken, you know, my kids to the playground, it's every, every time we go, it's, I'm going to push myself a little bit more. And I feel like children, they, they need to have that challenge. They need to be stretched, um, because that's what's going to help them ultimately, you know, grow up and in, into an adult. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely something special. Um, you know, one of the, my favorite parts about whenever we're working, you know, in a country for the first time, uh, the word playground doesn't really translate very well in many languages. Mm. And people mostly think, uh, it, it's going to be a slide or a couple swings, you know, cause that's sometimes <laughs> what we see when we travel internationally, they'll have one of those slides that we used to get burned on, you know, when we were oh, kids, yeah. the metal ones. The good old days. Yeah, the good yeah, old days, yeah, like yeah. the 20-foot oh, yeah. slides, you just dive bomb. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, you know, we'll see a lot of those. But uh, when, it, when it comes to play, uh, which a lot of times we have the children build the playground with mm-hmm. us, the second it's in the ground, the second the concrete, you know, is, is cured, we dedicate it, they instantly know what to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's that intuition you know, that, that God created in their minds, like, I meant to play. I'm, I meant to go down the slide. I meant to go up the slide. I meant to swing on the swing. And that's the best part about it. Mm. So, yeah. yeah, play is biological. It is. And so you are kind of meeting this biological inherent need for, for children to yeah. expend that and practice that and be socialized and take a break. I'm, I'm curious, too, as to, like, because you plant them in war zones mm-hmm. in places that have seen devastation and, and immense trauma. What are the um, effects, the positive effects from um, play that you've seen impact those children's lives? Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, one of the things, and this is especially abundant in, in refugee camps yeah. or war zones, is we build playgrounds to create community. Mm-hmm. And that's that's really what we're looking for. Earlier, you you kind of touched on when you were at a playground, you saw the moms there, mm. right? It's yes, we build the playground for the children to play on, but we also want it to be a safe environment where the parents can come, where the moms can come, where they can gather, where they can even for a couple minutes forget about mm-hmm. the horrible things that are happening yeah. in their lives. And, you know, the, the community, the, the entire community approach, I would say, is, is really what we're about. Mm-hmm. So. And as a parent, there's no better thing to watch your kid just play. Yes. It's the most entertaining, wonderful thing in the world. Like my son plays baseball and 
you know, people are like, oh, it's got it. It's like the most boring thing. Ever. I'm like, it's great. <laughs> no, Even it's when awesome. He, yeah, it's just it's, I, like, like, you know, he's uh, like last night it was, you know, felt I was freezing to death. But I'm like, this is I'll sit here and freeze to death for the rest of my life to get to watch my son play. Yeah. It's, and so it's just such a wonderful thing as a parent to um, mm. to just to, to live in. And yeah. so um, what about you as a parent? Like, wh- like what, how much emotion do you feel like after you've, you know, you've seen this playground, uh, constructed and you see that community, like what, you know, out yeah. the outcome that you know is going to happen yes. as you start to see it happen. What does that, what does that do inside There's of nothing you? Nothing better, man. I mean, you're a dad, like the, the emotions and the, the love that you have for your child. And, you know, whenever we, our playgrounds are built in a variety of ways, but sometimes we'll take teams, mm-hmm. you know, from the States to work in conjunction with other people. And we always call the dedication, which is, I don't know what I would compare it to in the States. It's amazing. It's live music, it's bands, yeah. it's mm-hmm. clowns, it's, you know, all the dignitaries. We always call the dedication payday, you know, and <laughs> I, uh, I, like that. I was just writing an article for work that, uh, you know, I use the analogy, you, 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 I'm sorry, you go to a wedding and, uh, you know, for a while, everyone would always look at the bride. You know, she's walking down the aisle and, um, I always love watching the groom, my favorite part, you know, about a wedding. And that is exactly what I say about a playground dedication where everyone is usually focused on the kids. I like to watch the volunteers because sure. they're always the ones that go to impact others, to serve um, to, to give up, you know, their time and their energy, but it almost gets flipped because they're the ones that end up getting blessed by the work that mm-hmm. has been done, just watching and experiencing the kids. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's, it never, ever gets old ever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Being able to do that. So when we, um, we made the Iraq documentary, um, we thought we were done. We, you know, we went over, we filmed, we were basically asking the question, you know, like ISIS is, awful and what they're doing is genocide and and what is the church doing in response to that well at the time the church was fleeing everyone was fleeing mm-hmm. and um and then the battle for mosul happened and isis was eliminated and so then i'm going man our, our documentary is dated like it's uh we need to ask the question like what are we doing to invite the people who've been displaced from their homes back into their communities. Who are the rebuilders? Who are those who are actually willing to say like, no, Mosul is a beautiful community. Mm-hmm. A bad thing happened to it, but we have people dispersed all around the world. Let's invite them home. Um, how do we create safety? How do we create trust? Um, I think what you're doing is exactly that. You're planting a seed of, of ownership in communities that oftentimes don't have that. They've lacked trust. They lack um, it's something that fortunately we don't have to deal with much here in the States, but um, could you speak to that a little bit about, yeah. you know, kind of inspiring people to take ownership in their community? Yeah, that's a very, very important part of every single playground that we build. Um, we always do it in conjunction with the people in the community. You know, we don't want to be the Americans coming over, building something and, and saying goodbye. You know, we'll send, we'll send an installer you know, one person, like I said before, sometimes we'll send a team, but we want them to build it. We want them to have ownership of it because we're not going to be there. We're there for a week um, if, if we're partnering with another organization. And, you know, once we leave, we want them to, f- to feel like this is ours. We have we have pride in this. We see the value. You know, we sweat to help build this. Yeah. We're going we're gonna to be here with our kids. We're going to watch them. We're going to get to experience that. And so that ownership is so, so important to not only our work, but honestly, any, any global missions aspect is doing it in partnership with the people that you're there to serve. Mm. So, Well, and that kind of leads into because this is not the only thing your organization does. I have a background in social work and trauma-informed care, and I know how integral holistic a holistic care plan, holistic intervention or prevention or aftercare, um, how important that is and mm-hmm. that's how it happens. And so I'm curious to know what other ways you guys are getting involved in conjunction with this playground yeah. initiative project. Yeah, yeah. So just kind of what else we do. That's ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. And how so, the three are integrated as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. So we just take you back a little bit for, for 25 years, our organization really focused on partnering with other organizations. Mm-hmm. We were a resource kind of based organization where, 
you know, we had playgrounds. We also have a food packing program where we package four ingredients in a bag, rice, uh, lentils, dehydrated vegetables, and then a vitamin packet. All of these meals are packed stateside mm-hmm. um, at events because we want to be able to provide opportunities for people here to get their hands dirty, right? Not, not just to give money, um, yeah. but to be a part of that process. I and feel so, like I did that as a kid. Yeah, you probably did. There's a lot, like of, great, I mean, that's there's a lot of great organizations out there that, that do a similar mm-hmm. program. It is fantastic. Um, just the way that it can engage a business or a church mm-hmm. or you know, uh, school. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we do all of them. And so we have that program that we offer. And then we also have our, our kids story program, which is, it's a discipleship based program. I would say it's more of a methodology though. Mm-hmm. It's not a, it's not a curriculum. And we want to be clear when we talk about it, that it's just a very simplistic way to, to teach the Bible to children. And it utilizes the storying methodology. So I've, it's been interesting now with my son in first grade, seeing a lot of kind of similarities to every child learns a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Some learn visually, some learn, you know, sure. like by hearing, some learn by doing, some learn by drawing. And really the basis of, of our kids story methodology is to provide children different ways to retell the story mm. or to be involved in multiple ways. So instead of a teacher you know, standing out front for 30 minutes, walking through a Bible story. Now you break that out into three or four different ways where they can be engaged and involved in retelling it. So the retention mm-hmm. rate comes up and it's fun, honestly, like what kid can sit for 30 minutes. And so we resource partners all across the globe within that. And then we also have our program here in the States for that. So, yeah, it's interesting because we've covered the play is a biological need, but also story. Yeah. Humans are hardwired for story and that's they are. how we have lived and grown and function and tell yeah. history. And yeah. so it's like very interesting to see how these two commingle and yeah. the fact that you're meeting, you know, two basic needs. Yeah. And way. it's not, it's not like a, I mean, it's just, you know, we, <clears throat> we really launched that kind of initiative about eight, nine years ago and it's nothing that's proprietary. I mean, we, we give it away cause it's, it's a methodology. Yeah. It's like, we don't yeah. have a curriculum. We don't have books we're selling. It's just, Hey, all you need is the Bible. And here's a really simple way to teach it. And your kids are going to remember it. And mm-hmm. it's awesome. That's so, really cool. Yeah, yeah, we, I mean, that's what drives us here at Nations, obviously, yeah. is like story is so important. And I think it has been, it's a lost art, you know, because like story always, um, you know, in the corporate world, it's always driven towards um, a return, yeah. you know, and, and even in the nonprofits, like, oh, we're going to go make this video <laughs> for the hopes of getting, yes. for, you know, with all heads bowed and eyes closed, raise your hand if you want to give $35 a month. Yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, I'd, I'd love to hear more about like just you know what uh, mores or values in the storytelling process. Like, can you give an example of that? I, I'm just I'm curious of the values. Yeah, yeah. So kind of how, how or how you how you how you do this? Yeah, specifically. So we I'm not gonna say there's a right way to do it, but we we kind of host trainings uh, where we find key leaders, and this could be in in our countries that we serve on, which I'm sure we'll get to at some point. Um, but we host a training. It's usually a two-day training, and it's training is probably the wrong word for it because it's more an interactive, engaging yeah. opportunity mm-hmm. where uh, you'll know, we'll have one of our directors up front just instructing the simple concepts of how to reach different um, areas of a child's heart, mm-hmm. right, through its yeah. head, through its heart, through its hands, and get them engaged. Um, and, you know, once the... Once all the leaders have been trained, we do provide a simple, I'm just going to call it a guidebook, right? Where we have, I think, around 100 different lessons on, you know, say Jesus, you know, blesses the children. So it would open up with a, a question mm-hmm. for the children to get them talking, like just a random question uh, to get them engaged that would tie into the story. And then we would walk through the story. And then after that, we would do a game, you know, that would retell the story. And these are all very simple games that can be done anywhere in the globe, right? It could be in Africa. It could be in a refugee camp. It could be anywhere. We don't want people to feel like they have to go buy something. What, what, like, could you give an example of a game? Okay. So you're probably going to laugh, but you take a big string. Yeah. Okay. Maybe 20 foot string and you tie it off. So you have a big circle Uh and you put one knot in it and you play music. 
everyone has music, the access to, you know, play music and wherever it stops, that child has to say the next part of the story. Oh, no way. Okay. Or you could do, we'll take you back to probably grade school myself to musical chairs. Yeah, sure. Usually got chairs, um, to retell a story. Um, the, the more entertaining ones would be, uh, <laughs> sorry, I have a, an example in my head right now from a training at, at our church a couple of weeks ago, but would be interacting through drama or through song. Okay. Just another way to retell the story. And so all these just different ways, you know, are at least one of them will hit a child on, a, on an individual level where afterwards, like, oh yeah, I remember that story yeah. because we played this game or because... I was laughing at my teacher doing this type of thing. So that's great. Yeah. I, it, it's also, I, I get a little anxiety hearing that too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of like, oh, I got to, I better start thinking about how this story evolves. Yes. Wow. Yes. yes. Like improv. It is. Yeah. 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 Cool. But you, there's not, there's not a wrong way to do it. I mean, it's, yeah. it's very, you know, we say it's very spirit led. Mm-hmm. Everything that we do within that program is we don't want to put how to reach a child in, into a box. Right. Because they're all, you know, they all learn differently. They all think differently. And the more simple we can come up with a program that can walk them through and help to grow them, the better. I love so. that approach. I think missiology is hard. Yeah. And, and I think there's a couple different <clears throat> polar examples of what not to do in, in the sense of like, hey, this is how it's going to be done. And what worked in Houston, Texas is going to, yes. is going to work in this village. And, you know, it's like, I just, ah, that's just gross. And even like a lot of the training and seminary and Bible college, it's very, um, I, I hate it when God moves in a beautiful, unique way. And we go, Oh, quick copy paste. Yeah. And it's like, no, it's like, pay attention to how that movement evolved, how yeah. God led through it, how he used his church through it. And then I think the opposite is true too. So where you just go, Oh, well, you're a white male. You have no business going anywhere, doing anything. You know, it's like we as Americans can't do anything anymore when helping hurts. And it's like, there's like a, and there's some great things in that book. I'm not, I'm not here to say it's all bad, but I just think there's like this, you know, hands-off approach. And I think we need to stay involved and as the church as a whole. um, And I think what your approach is, is spot on. And it's like, Hey, this is, what we're learning kind of works in, but there is also to your culture, adapt it to your culture. And, and where uniquely is, is God going to rise up leaders in this movement? Where is he going to use us as Americans? Where is he going to use um, the indigenous people? It's like, it's a, it's a beautiful dance. And I think that's what, where good leadership comes in is, is watching that unfold and in a way that is inclusive of everyone. Yeah, Yeah. no, absolutely. You know, we, We used to use, this was, you know, late nineties, early two thousands. You remember flannel graphs? Oh yeah. So, and which were great and still are and can be an effective way because children even globally have never, have never seen flannel graphs. Like oh, the blue, they are perhaps epic. From Sunday school. If you went to Sunday school yeah. in the nineties or eighties, Jesus was Norwegian. <laughs> yeah, like long blonde hair. Yeah. Yes, yeah. ringing yeah. bell. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, the, the challenge, one of the challenges globally is most children can't read. Mm-hmm. For sure. So it's it's literally a piece of flannel with, with characters and you're telling the story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they're watching that story. But the challenge with us, you know, and a lot of other great organizations out there is we were constantly having to f- fundraise to buy. We had a machine right. in our office. We'd print these things. Wow. Mm-hmm. You know, and then um, when the kid story concept came along, it just, it really changed a lot of things because people didn't feel like they had to have something to enable to reach children. Right. Like, oh, I don't have that flannel graph. I don't have that, you know, toy or what, whatever, whatever the, I don't, know, right. I don't call it gimmick. That makes it sound negative, but I think you know what I mean. Yeah. They, they thought they had to have some type of product to teach children yeah. and really they don't, they just need the Bible. That's yeah. all they need. Yeah. So love that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's the hardest part of your job? Hardest part. I love my job. Um, It's, I think, prioritizing, you know, uh, next steps. Prioritizing, um, you know, I'm not going to say fundraising, but we all have a budget that we operate of. We all have only so much that we can do. And constantly thinking what is the most impact that we can have for the kingdom mm. out of those those funds that we can raise when there's 
I mean, it's so many everywhere. children, yeah, yeah all yeah. across the globe. And I'm not even just saying like with, with kids around the world, I mean, with all the great organizations that are out there, it's, you're always constantly prioritizing on. How do you find a community? So with that, like, is, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's communities everywhere that, yeah. that need what you guys are offering. How do you go, okay, like with the limited resources um, that we have with people, yeah. time and um, finances, uh, how do you how do you make that decision where to go? Yeah, well, from a from a partnering standpoint or a resourcing standpoint, we work. I mean, people come to us quite a bit. Like, hey, we want a playground. Like, okay, that's great. <laughs> yes, I, I'm sure you could use a playground, um, but uh, unfortunately, we don't. We're not a foundation. We can't just fund playgrounds all across the globe as much as we would love to. Sure. So a lot of the playgrounds happen by us working in conjunction with them to fundraise. Mm. You know, for the playgrounds. So. You know, we'll handle all the logistics, all the shipping, all the clearing, the building, but they will be the the primary group that will help the fundraise. So that's how a lot of them happen. You know, from but a give more ownership. So absolutely, if you're raising money yeah, for it, no, you, absolutely. Yeah, um, you know, from a a community standpoint, where we have more boots on the ground, it works a little bit different. Um, we launched a new, I'll call it an initiative, a couple of years ago. Uh, called Generation Hope. And that is where we have basically taken the three core components to our organization and are going deep in communities. You know, we really have a strong, as, as we talked about earlier, a strong heart for community development. Mm -hmm. And there we, we rely on local indigenous leaders to open up doors for us. Um, you know, we've, we know that without the right leaders on the ground, we're we're not worth anything, right? We don't, we don't want to be coming over there saying, do this, do this, do this. And so currently in Ecuador, Dominican Republic, and Uganda, we're relying on leaders to open up new communities for us, which then those communities are, we're inviting partners to join us in unique communities to make a transformational impact in those. So. Incredible. Yeah. It's fun. <laughs> <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, that's, that's hard leading that, you know, how do you stay sane as a leader? Um, you know, you got a lot going on, a lot of wise counsel, a lot of, a lot of prayer, mm, good. you know, a lot, uh, we have an amazing team that, you know, I'm blessed to, to serve with. We have a great board of directors. Uh, you know, my father was very insightful mm -hmm. along the years and still is, um, as we, you know, continue to, to move the vision forward. But was that hard taking, you know, like Fall in your footsteps of your dad? Is that, is that, um, what's that? Be honest. Like? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I, you know, I graduated uh, college with a finance and marketing background and never, even growing up, getting to travel was great, of mm -hmm. course, as a kid or as a college mm -hmm. student. It was the last thing for my mind that I would leave corporate America and, work, you know, one with my father, sorry. Um, and you know, two, when I came on board, we had four staff yeah. and I just had the corporate, you know, I want to, I want to grow. I want to do this. I want to do that. And then the Lord just did something in my heart 16 years ago. And you know, it's, it's, it's never easy. And, and that's not, that's just with any person. Um, but we've, you know, for all those years, we had a really great working relationship and, um, you know, just we're very different people, um, and we've we we know that, and so it, um, yeah, everything just moved forward pretty smooth. So. Are there any rules that you and your dad have? Because um, I think that's important. I don't know if it's talked about enough. It's like, yeah. how do you work with family? You know, it's like um, my wife and I recently started working together in some capacity. I'm like, oh, this well, this is different. You yeah. know, it's like we can't. It's just different. So yeah. we we had to establish a couple rules and. And that's, that's helped. I think it's been mm -hmm. really yeah. helpful. But so what about for you? Do you have any, like with your dad, like, Oh, we don't talk yeah, about this it's, here. Uh, absolutely. He lives in Illinois. I live in California. That so that, uh, okay. yes, but you no, know, we, we're very good on, you know, business talk these hours, you know, with family, yeah. you know, and not, um, it's been a, a very different kind of transition. I'm not sure if you know about the transition that's been happening over the last couple months, but he's stepped down and I've taken out interim role okay. as president. And so it's been, he's been a huge supporter of that, um, you know, and really, 
there's something so important and whether it's, it's in ministry or in corporate America, but you, you know, empowering the people yeah. that you serve with. Yeah. And, you know, he's, he's been a great example to allow me to start leading and to, you know, let me go through challenges, which I think is good. Ultimately sure. helps you to become a better leader, uh, but always there for, for support. So that's incredible. Yeah. So no awkward Thanksgivings. No, no, good, no, good. no, 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 not at all. <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah. Good. Well, um, yeah, we're rooting for you guys as yeah. a family. I think Appreciate it's, I think it's really cool when families do ministry together. Yeah. You know, I think, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a, it's a holy thing when God calls, um, you know, people to something and then to have the support of a family. And then now to have you as you leading the organization, that's a, that's a successful story. So yeah. kudos. Yeah, been, that's awesome. So wonderful. Yeah. Claire, do you have any more? I have one hot take. Oh, okay. I have one question. Okay. How hot do take. you? That fancy. Yeah. Do you have a hot take? Oh, I got a list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just came with one. <laughs> just kidding. Um, just like where you start firing stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. No. Okay. I'm just curious. How do you integrate play in your life? Oh. Personally. What? Yeah. Or with your family. With my family. Well, now I have to cross it off my list. So I integrate play. Oh man. Mm. We are a an on the go. Family, mm-hmm. we love uh, being involved. You know, whether it be at, at our at our church, um, in our neighborhood, mm-hmm. traveling. We love to travel. Um, you know, we got kids in multiple sports. Baseball being my favorite, yes. of course. My son. How old's uh, your son? He's almost seven. Okay, so he's in Pinto. Oh you, yeah, you know of course. Carlsbad. Oh yeah, yeah. Is it Carlsbad Youth. Yeah, right down the street. Sweet. Yeah, it's awesome. I love it. You know, I coached all. I didn't know that. Yeah, I coached last year. I coached uh, the 14U All Stars. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and then I coached regular season. Yeah. Yeah. We just, we believe in, in, uh, I would say a couple different ways. Like, we want our kids to be involved in stuff, we want them to be around kids as much as possible. You know, and, and of course, just with my background, I want them to see as much as they can within reason. Um, I couldn't be more excited. I'm actually taking my whole family to Ecuador this summer. Awesome. So my daughter will be four. My son will be seven, which I have been waiting for three years ever since we launched our Generation Hope Initiative to bring them down there. And of course, it's going to be a little different, you know, with kids, but they're going to get to experience building a playground, handing out the meals that we pack, yeah. um, you know, being a part of the clubs, just talking to our staff, you know, and um, to me, that's play. Mm-hmm. That that's That's them experiencing what else is out there in the world and not being kind of stuck in, in bubble. I don't, I don't use the term bubble in a negative way. It's, it's more of a, just a naive thing. Like this is just how things are, but there's just so much out there for them to see. So Mm. that's great. Well, um, yeah, any any sports that you're into to play? Do you play pickleball? Are you a pickleball player? This I don't like, think I'm old enough to play pickleball. Am I? Isn't that? <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. It's like I keep hearing about pickleball. I mean, that is just sweeping across the nation right now. It is growing sport it's in America. Fast. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I played baseball through college. Oh, you did? I did. D three. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. So, huge baseball guy. What position? Uh, I was through high school. I was center field. In college, I was left field. Really? I was an outfielder. Wow. Yeah, okay. I love fly balls, man. Yeah. They just, they get me going. They give just, me anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what ground balls always yeah. did to me. I, you know, it's like the, uh, yeah, type of thing. Yeah. My son had one the other day. He had this incredible catch at second base, like laid out, line drive, laid out, caught it. And then right after that, this sky high pop fly. And I'm like, Liam, that was an incredible, everyone, <laughs> the cloud freezer was him when he laid out. He goes, yeah. that was easy because it just happened so fast. I just reacted. Yep. It's the worst thing in the world to hear at the crack of a bat and see a ball go up into the sky and then have to like position <laughs> Pick yourself. Out where so, it is. <laughs> yeah, oh, I love that. It's like you, first step, always back, right? That's yeah, you always remember. back. Always That's back. Right. Yeah. No, I uh, love baseball. Love. Uh, I used to play softball okay. uh, quite a bit until kid number two, my daughter, was yeah. born. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. priorities changed a little bit. Love to golf. Used to golf more, but you know, kids <laughs> being kids and travel. Um, that's that's kind of where my priorities are. But love love all sports and love. You know, messing around with my son, whatever, yeah. whatever he wants to play. Incredible. Are you coaching? Um, I coached fall ball. Oh, you did? I did. Yes. Yes. Awesome. And I would say kind of quasi coach okay. in spring. You yeah. know, it's it's the commitment with yeah. the practices, the games. And if I say I'm gonna do it, like I'd like to be able to be there for as much as possible. And you know, we're still kind of getting the the Southern California sports thing is is very different from growing up in the Midwest. Yeah. How so? 
uh, and maybe this is just a generational thing. I mean, I grew up playing baseball, you know, 30, 35 years ago. Um, it's, it's intense. It's intense. It's, it's a lot. You're round now. It is, it's which, like no seasons. which is, which is great. But I mean, as a family, we're just not ready to lock our yeah. kids into one, one yeah. thing yet. Um, but it's just, it's good. I mean, I can see why there's a lot of professional athletes that come from, you know, whether it's Southern California or other warmer States, mm-hmm. you know, I could only play baseball for five, six months out right, of the year, right. you know? Um, so I'm, I'm personally, my wife is from out here, but I'm still kind of personally getting used to, wow, okay, we can play this sport year round. That's, that's different. It's a lot, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. one of the things they're finding right now in CYB, Carlsbad Youth Baseball is, mm-hmm. is uh, the rec league here. Yeah. And um, I was talking to the high school coach. He's like, yeah, he's like, I really, um, I love the kids who come through the rec ball as opposed to, he goes, yeah, uh, the travel ball is great and it's awesome. But oftentimes uh, kids just get burned out. Yeah, It's just too much. And he goes, what CYB does, rec baseball and good coaching, it, it teaches kids to love the game of baseball. Yeah. He goes, and that will, he goes, give me a kid who's coachable and who loves baseball and Absolutely. we're going to go far. Yep. And so, um, yeah, just coming coming back to that theology of play, like just yeah. allowing kids to enjoy something, yes, mm-hmm. and not it for it to become a job is like that's something we're facing as a society. That yeah. I think, um, yeah, we have a lot of growth that's needed. Well, you that. look at the athletes, you know, that are yeah. in whatever sport they played multiple sports. That's right, most yeah. of them did, even unless they're from a different country. Um, you know, like oh, he was also the football quarterback, or yeah. he was also the starting point guard. I mean, having being able to develop multifaceted skills, right. I think helps you become a better rounded baseball player or better rounded football player, you know, whatever it may be. Yeah. So, okay. So, uh, I got a couple questions for yeah. you. Um, all right. Would you, do you prefer a, a playground of today? Like these amazing monstrosities or the old big toys? Do you remember the big toys? Is that what Ew. you called them in Illinois? Like the wooden structures? Yeah. What do you prefer? Man. Those wooden structures. I remember growing up on one of those splinters. Those hot slides in the yeah, summer. Yeah, they got some really Just cool can't. stuff right now. You know, we have a, a corporate partnership with Little Tykes Commercial. Okay, and they help to fund a lot of global playgrounds with us. Yeah. And I always love seeing the new innovations that 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 are coming out from them. Just with you know the the ways that play has even developed. You know, because for a while it was like let's just build all slides. Right now, it's like no kids. They want ropes. They want things to climb. They want to be challenged. They want bars. They want all this stuff, and it's just constantly being innovative. And I see my kids playing on those more than okay. A slide's fun, but it's only one thing you can do on it. And so I, I personally like the newer ones. Okay, that's a long okay. answer to that okay. question. No, no, that's good. Yes, that's good. Yeah, monkey bars or a slide. I like monkey bars. Me too. I do. Yeah. There's nothing like I'll, I'll never forget like helping my son go across the monkey bars for the first time, and then he's like, "I don't need you anymore." You know, I'm I'm big enough now. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think it's yeah more of a challenge. So I got, I got a monkey bar story. So see these right here. Yeah, they're all fake. <laughs> no. First grade monkey bars. Boom. I don't know what happened, but next, just I'm on, I'm on the ground, and uh, my front teeth are gone. And they're like, oh, well, you got to go get your head checked, you know, and go to the ER and do all that stuff. And then they're looking for my permanent teeth because my permanent teeth had just come in. And uh, they're like, we can't find them. We can't find them. So, you know, off to the ER I go and I get the MRI or CAT scan or whatever. And they're like, oh, we found your teeth. They're in your nose. Like I had hit flush (laughs) and jammed them up. Anyways, a lot of trauma around monkey bars. But uh, every kid's got a good. I know. Back in the day. I've only broke one bone in my life. It's and it was playground. jumping off a swing. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I was like eight or nine. It's great. It's yeah. great. Yeah. You got to learn those lessons. You learn. That's Absolutely. wonderful. Yes. Yeah. It's trauma resiliency. Um, okay. Favorite cuisine in the countries that you work? Ooh. And you go everywhere. So yeah. what, what's like, if you could have something for lunch today, what would you have? Preface that question. My favorite thing to do is, especially if I'm in a new country, or even if it's one I've been to a lot, I say, order me what you would order. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Classic. I get burned on that sometimes. Oh, yeah. And I'm, but then I always say, don't tell me what it is. And then after you eat it, like, okay, maybe I shouldn't have ordered that. Um, favorite <coughs> cuisine. So I've been going to, uh, to Ecuador quite often. Coastal Ecuador. Okay. That's kind of the headquarters of our international work. 
and they have amazing seafood down there. All right. Like if you go to the grocery store here, shrimp, um, a lot of the tunas from there, and they have the best ceviche. Mm-hmm. You know, our team down there jokes every time I get they, they already know what I want. It's made a little bit differently, um, but the shrimp is just phenomenal. Okay. So I know that's kind of that's kind of boring, but uh, no, I like that's, it. That's, yeah. that's a good answer. It's a good answer. Um, okay, favorite. I'm, I'm trying to think. I know, like, playgrounds have evolved due to lawsuits, a.k.a. busted teeth and all that stuff. Um, what's What uh, element of a playground has been removed that you wish would come back? I was trying to think of, like, some of the yeah. things that we used you know, to I see. I was going to say merry-go-round, oh, but they right. are in the process. I've only seen a couple of them of having a safer yeah. merry-go-round. Okay. Um, cause we used to build a lot of those internationally too. I've seen like 50 kids on one before. I mean, they're just, <laughs> just the <laughs> so it's, just... it's the whole moving parts thing, Yeah, you know, and that's where even swings, you know, some cities don't allow yeah. swings. Um, and teeter totters, teeter totters. Yeah. Those are, you know, the things with, with teeter totters and swings and they're great. I mean, obviously all kids love them, but from, from my experience, our experience, especially internationally, land and space is usually a challenge and you can build these great swing sets where or or swings you know where there can be two swings or four but it takes up so much space and only four kids can enjoy only four kids can enjoy it and if you're on the swings you're not getting off you're never getting off no no way yeah unless you're jumping off (laughs) 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 but there if you're jumping off you know unfortunately we, we don't usually have the ability to uh to put in like the surfacing yeah we have here you know if we have sand we'd love to be able to do that but that's Typically, the only option for surfacing globally. So, okay, but yeah, merry-go-rounds. All right, I got a, I got a real personal one here. Um, all right, you're, you're, you travel a lot, and I'm always, I'm always fascinated by insider tips. But uh, okay, your toiletry bag only fits two items, and you're going to the Middle East for two weeks. What are you taking? Only two items. Hands down, toothbrush. Okay, number one, yeah. my deodorant. That's it. That's yeah. all I really yeah. need. Yeah. Yeah. I could wear a hat. I don't need. Keep it simple. Yeah. Keep it simple. Love that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, if you could only listen to one album for the rest of your life. Oh, man. Depends on the mood I'm in. This is, this is going to be the mood for the rest of your life. So I'm going to ask Claire the same question. She's a, she's a musician. Can it be an artist? I don't know if I have an album. It's got to be an album. Okay, you can go artist. We can break the rules. Yeah, go artist. Oh, man. If you asked me this in high school. (laughs) (laughs) What year did you graduate? I would have said uh, NSYNC's first album, probably, or No No Strings Attached. Wow. Definitely. Okay. I was like prime. Oh, I was prime, man. It was late 90s boy bands. It was, that was hot. Um, You know, my, from a music standpoint, I'm not going to say I'm like a, like this is my group or this is my guy. Um, I'm, uh, and it's not that I enjoy the club scene, but I I do enjoy running. And so I'm a big, uh, love Calvin Harris, like David Guetta stuff. That's going to constantly like get me going, get me amped. Mm -hmm. Even when I'm traveling, you know, I'm tired, I'm exhausted. Like that just kind of both those get me going. Okay. So yeah, there you go. What about you? Desert Island. I oscillate for a long time. It was, uh, I think Alt J's second album. Oh yeah. Okay. Awesome wave. Yep. That was like yep. airplane studying yes. every, every one, you know, package deal. Um, but if I had to listen to one album forever, it might be Sylvan Esso's first album, the self-titled Sylvan Esso. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Love that. Yeah. I don't want to boot them in. Yeah, oh, it's too. a hard one. It's a hard one. That's why it's something upbeat. Take. If it's the only thing, yeah. it's got to be. Yeah. Any more hot takes? Any more questions? Getting the scrunchy nose. <laughs> on the spot. Well, hey, I think uh, you know what you're doing is incredible, Thank and you guys. I think you know nations exist to just to get to explore people like yourself who are willing to, again, be courageous and obedient to do the things that God's asked you to do. And um, oftentimes we hear the story of the organization, which 
kids around the world is incredible. Um, but we just want to say that um, thank you for leading by example and, uh, and you know just growing up in a family that cares deeply and carrying that legacy into the next chapter and growing that organization. It's just really, really inspiring. So thanks, Jeff. No, oh, thank you guys. This has, we been, got a little, this has been fun. We got a little care package for you. Sweet. What do we have here, Claire? We got... We got here. Oh, we got, got the volume merch. seven. Button. Got nice. a t-shirt. Awesome. Have you seen this one? This is our I have the not. latest. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sweet. Thank you guys. Yeah. This is great. And uh, hey, we've I know uh, one of our videographers went in uh, yeah. to Iraq, I yes. believe, and, and filmed. And so we're gonna be releasing that short this week and just give people a, He did a fantastic job. Did a good job. That yeah, he's really as a photographer cool. transitioning yes. to a videographer. That's yes. not an easy transition. Yeah. Still pictures not is not moving pictures. And yes. so, anyways. James did a great job. And what I love about it is that you get to see firsthand those smiles of those kids. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that's what it's all about. Play. Man. It matters. It right? does. It does. Yeah. So Something get out there and play. Uh, I, I think it's a big part of uh, Sabbath. Um, you know, when I was, in, I went back to school about a decade ago and studied spiritual formation for a couple of years. And I was asked that, like, how do you rest? And we had to come up with the, uh, the answer to that. And it's like, you know, well, it's like, there's this um, understanding culturally that we have that we're resting from. It's like, oh, the weekend's here. I'm resting from my week. And I think what we see in scripture more times than not is that Jesus was resting forward. He was resting yeah. for what was to come. And it was a, a time of preparation, a time of uh, spiritual uh, intimacy with God the Father um, to be equipped for the next season, the next chapter. And one of the things that for me that I learned is like play and adventure um, is, is how I rest. It's one of the ways. Mm -hmm. And it's not just this idea of like, I'm tired, my, I'm physically exhausted, I need to rest. No, I think rest is, or, or um, uh, yeah, rest comes in, in many forms. And so play is, is, was discovered in my uh, stale room of academics as being uh, an, a, an essential part of um, Sabbath. And so... Yep. Thank you for um, oh, thank you guys. helping us better understand what you do. And um, yeah, so Claire, I think we did it. Did it. Thank you so I, much for fun. coming. This is fun, of course. Yeah. Yes, definitely. I think, I think Joseph's out and we're in. <laughs> I think he's our replacement. So sure. anyways, <laughs> we'll see how that goes yes. over. But uh, thanks for uh, being here. And uh, for more information, kidsaroundtheworld.org. KATW.org, kidsaroundtheworld.com. Okay. We got them. We'll link it in there. We got the them all. <laughs> <laughs> the Twitters, yes. the Instagrams, no the way. Facebooks, yep. all the things. Yep. Well, uh, thanks, Jeff. Thank you, guys. All right. All right.